How would you like to be part of a conversation that changed someone's life or even changed your own life? Welcome to the Be Fun, Be Kind podcast, where we have amazing discussions hosted by someone new each week. Join us at BeFunBeKind.com to be part of our live events. Now, here's your host for this week's episode. There we go. Um, so Megan, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, everyone today's title is why nutrition is important and how to meal plan. Um, although I don't think we want to get too inundated with, uh, with that topic in particular, because, um, Megan is, uh, a, a highly valuable resource in terms of, um, dieting and nutrition and working out and sort of all, um, all variants of that, of that topic. So, um, I think we can hit on a bunch of things today. And, you know, maybe to begin, Megan, one of the things that I found really interesting um, when I, I looked at some of your work is that a lot of, you know, dieting types of things tend to put people in a box, right? And it's like this all or nothing um, type of formula, right? Like you will never be able to eat this. You must only eat this. And myself, um, and, and other people in, in my life tend to sort of not follow that, right? Like we tend to be a little bit more like, dude, if, if you want to have something that's not, you know, good for you, it's not the end of the world to do it every now and again. Right. right. Um, and I saw that that was like one of the paramount things. Um, it was right there on the front of your website. Um, and so that got me kind of intrigued to hear somebody that knows what they're talking about, not just me who sort of you know, just, you know, uneducated dribble, right? Um, somebody like yourself that can actually speak to that. So I, I, that kind of turned me on immediately. And, and uh, you know, maybe we could kind of start with that. Yeah, definitely. Well, hello and thank you. Um, so yes, that is probably one of the areas I'm most passionate about when it comes to health and wellness and nutrition and just helping people with their relationship with food. You know, it's like we have relationships with everything in life, with the people that we have, you know, our career, we have relationships with money, everything that we have in life, we have a relationship with it. And one of those things is, is our relationship with food. And um, what I have seen happen because it's happened to myself, it's how I kind of got into the field. And then I've worked with my clients through it is that the dieting industry, um, as it is right now, and all those diets, I mean, there's over 100 diets, right, which is a lot. That's like analysis paralysis right there. Which one do I try to lose weight, right? Which one's going to make me healthy? Um, and so it's what I see is people just kind of diet hopping because they're so strict because they say, okay, you can't have carbs on this one, or you can't have sugar on this one or whatever it is. And so they try it. It might even work because they've started to eat healthier foods now but it's not sustainable because they can't just not eat carbs again for the rest of their lives. Right. Like, right. You know, it's like, it's like saying that you're not going to have your own birthday cake ever again or something. Um, all because a diet is telling you to do that for weight loss. So what I like to talk about and teach is kind of like getting out of your own way mentally. So that way you can enjoy all the food you like without what, what I would call sabotaging yourself. It's not, exactly sabotaging yourself but you know what happens is that you you have that cheat day and you just overeat like crazy on it because you haven't had those foods in so long and then when you step on the scale you gain weight or you didn't lose so all your hard work for six full days doesn't matter now because on the seventh day you went crazy on food and that's happening because of the dieting rules you're telling yourself like i'm bad if i eat this and so, or this is off limits. And so one of two things happens or both, it's like, okay, this is off limits. So this is my last chance. 
whenever it's your last chance to do something, you go all out, right? Like if I'm not going to let myself have sugar again ever, because I just told myself, this is my last chance for sugar. I'm going to go and eat a lot of it. And even though I'm smart and I know that's probably not true. And I'll have sugar in like seven more days. It feels like, what if that doesn't happen? What if this is really my last chance? And then I go and eat a lot of it. Um, and you are so right in what you said, you know, it's, it's, there's, I don't like call foods bad or good. There's no such thing as a bad food. It's just food. We've labeled it that way for some reason. It's just healthy or unhealthy. That's all that, that it is. And some can cause cravings and some don't. And some help you with weight loss more than others, right? But nothing's bad. And helping people get out of that mindset is what I like to talk about a lot. Yeah, I, I think like the danger of simplicity um, with, with eating and really like in any walk of life, I guess, like there's always that danger of like, we love and we're so attracted to things which are just overly simplified. And it's like, we don't want to do the work to discover, um, my, myself included, by the way, like we don't want to do the work, um, you know, to, to find out that, hey, this is actually a, a, a bit more complicated than, than that. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that like the whole, the whole cookie cutter thing, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, may, and you know, maybe it makes sense for some people. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems like there's more, um, there's a lot more to, to be figured out, I guess, for each individual. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and it's not as much work. It is work, but it's not as much work. I think as people think it is, it's just different and uncomfortable. And that makes it scary because if you're willing to not eat sugar for three months, you can totally figure out what works for your body pretty well. I mean, that's uncomfortable too. So it's just really choosing which discomfort you want to handle. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so would you say in your, in your daily life, like you're not, um, you know, if, if somebody offers you a cookie, like, Hey, I'll just, I'll just have the cookie. It's not, oh, I'm yeah. not going to have seven cookies. Right. But I can have a cookie. Yeah. So I, I, I either would have it or I wouldn't, but it would just be because it's like the choice I make. Like it wouldn't because be because of like dieting and, and not wanting to gain weight or trying to lose weight. It'd just be because I either want the cookie or I don't want the cookie, right? That's the, that's how I'm making that decision. Um, and that's it. So, and then, like you said, I was, I'm just not having seven of them or the whole box, right? I'm just having one cookie. So definitely. And then my philosophy is savor everything you eat. Like if you love food the way I love food, just let it sit on your tongue as long as possible. Cause that's where you taste things. The second you swallow it, you can't taste it anymore. So stop eating so fast. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's funny you say that too. Cause there's this thing I always laugh about, um, like, like Joe Rogan on his podcast is always talking about like, like, man, why do I have to do these, you know, these like five second mouth orgasm thing, you know, it's just like, it's just so good. It's just, Oh, it's just so good for five. And then, it, and then, it, and then that's it. It's over. And he's like, he's like, man, I, you know, it's, it's such a fascinating thing. Um, and it's irresistible, you know? Yeah, definitely. I love his podcast, by the way. Not that that matters on this podcast right now, but it's a good one. He has like so much stuff to say. He has some some great guests. Actually, you know, I was going to ask you, um, are you a, a Kelly Brogan um, fan or do, do you know, do you know, know of Kelly Brogan? No. I, I wanted to bring her up at some point today. Um, and, and I was curious what, what your thoughts are. Like, she um, seems to have this philosophy. Um, a, a lot of, of what she kind of uh, perpetuates is about the idea that um, your lineage will often dictate, you know, kind of what the appropriate food is that maybe you, you ought to have. Okay. Um, so in other words, like if, if your ancestors are purely like Icelandic or something, right. well, 
then you may not do well with like, you know, only eating like healthy greens all the time because you've got thousands and thousands of years of people eating like whale blubber. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's probably an extreme example. Right. But like, um, and I, I always found that interesting that a lot of her theory revolves around, um, you know, your, your, your lineage and that sort of evolution of your, um, like how your ancestors ate, I suppose, and, and how maybe you should approach it nowadays. Now I'm sure that's not realistic for everybody, but I, I always found that to be a fascinating theory. Yeah, no, I do too. And I do, I've heard the theory. I just didn't know her name. Uh, like it just didn't click that that's whose theory it is. Um, yeah. So it's, it's fascinating. It reminds me of like the blood type diet, um, which is another diet where like based off your blood type, you eat certain foods because you're better able at digesting those foods and like your body like uses them more. And I don't know, it's like what your body would thrive on. Right. Um, and it's, it's kind of the same thing. There's probably some scientific facts behind it, but not enough to make it actually like, this is like the whole thing is factual. It's, you know, there's, there's theory and there's, there's some guessing there and stuff like that. Right. Um, but my take on it is it's interesting. And if you can, if you, ex- I love experimenting. That's what I say. Just experiment. Right. So like, if you're wondering if that would feel really good for you to try, try it, what's going to happen. Nothing, nothing bad's going to happen. You're going to either find out that you enjoy eating that way or you don't. Um, and to anybody listening, I would just say, just remember that they're not facts, right? They are theories. They're, they're ideas. They are, they don't have to be taken as facts. So like, if you decide like, Hey, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try keto or whatever. Like what, what if in five years you just decide you want to be vegan? And does that mean that you can stop keto or is it like something you're gonna do for the rest of your life now? Like people I find, um, even if they stop dieting stop doing that diet, they have it in their brain that like, they're now bad until they go back to that diet. Cause it was right. Weird. But that's I committed to this. Works. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I committed to this club or something. It's like a tribal thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I always feel that like that's kind of silly too, because you know, like you can, so, I mean, if, if, if we can agree that vegan um, dieting for the most part is pretty healthy, maybe it's not a hundred percent good, but it's, it's, it's a lot better than say, um, a lot of other diets out there for, for the most part. Um, but then, you know, Oh, Hey, uh, you know, somebody had fish or something. And so now you're just no longer a vegan and forget it. It's like, no, I mean, you're, you're still, you're still, you know, pursuing that, that, uh, that type of diet, you know, 99% of the time. So I, I always feel like that's kind of silly where it's like, well, you know, if, if you want to eat fish periodically, it's not really that big of a deal. You're still mostly a vegan, but you know, why does the label, matter so much it's such a good question and it's actually uh i created a course and the first few lessons are free and one of them is letting go of labels like the what the entire lesson is like 20 minutes long and it's just about like how we put these labels on ourselves in so many areas it's not just that but like procrastinator or perfectionist even right we like purposely try to live up to that label but it's a fake label we put on ourselves right it's like we put ourselves in a bubble and then we're like we don't like my i don't like my bubble but this is my bubble so what can i do and it's like you could just pop your bubble and just form a new one if you want to basically you know you can do whatever you want and it's funny you said that because I I actually did veganism for six months um again just to try it out because I had a ton of stomach issues and it helped it helped me learn that I was like lactose intolerant and helped with a lot of things and I love sushi and I went right back to sushi right and I found out sushi doesn't hurt my stomach so guess what I still eat sushi to this day but I I don't really eat meat anymore and it's not, I don't feel like I would be a bad person if I wanted to eat meat. I don't feel like 
I can't just go get meat if I want to. I just literally don't have the desire anymore to eat meat, which is really interesting. And I just keep listening to that versus like talking myself in and out of choices because of what like a diet says versus just listening to my body. Yeah. Yeah. So it it sounds like, did you sort of go through uh, something and and I don't know, maybe this is a good time for you to kind of kick things off in terms of like, how, where did this all come from? You know, how did you begin doing this? But I, I'm guessing maybe you had, um, you know, some, some digestive issues or something, which kind of caused you to like reevaluate everything you were eating. Is it like, is kind of a story like that? It is. It's, it's, it's like twofold. It's, um, it's that. And then it was an eating disorder. So I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder from like a psychologist or something like that. You know, I'm just, I was never diagnosed with lactose intolerant either. <laughs> I just know that my stomach doesn't like dairy. So, um, yeah. but basically what happened was uh, long story short, I, I wasn't really ever taught nutrition, right? Like, or I wasn't paying attention if I was taught it. I don't know. But I, when I grew up, you know, I grew up with McDonald's and Sunny Delight and orange soda and hamburger helper and just, you know, just hot dogs and pepperoni and not that there's anything wrong with any of those things, but it wasn't a healthy diet as a kid, you know, and I was just a skinny kid so I could get away with it. And then college came and drinking and parties and pizza and all this other stuff. And I started gaining weight and then that led to me wanting to lose weight. Right. And then that all spiraled out of control because I did what everybody does. I got online. I looked at the dieting world. It says, okay, go do two hours of cardio and never eat sugar or carbs again. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over the course of like, six or seven years, I dieted, I was like diet hopping, I was losing the same 20 to 30 pounds over and over again. Um, I was constantly either feeling amazing or feeling really, really terrible because I was either eating really healthy and exercising or not. And when I say not, I mean, like, I was eating emotionally, um, I was hiding food, I was binge eating, I became a personal trainer. And, you know, in my head, it was like, okay, this is my profession now. I'm a personal trainer and a health coach. Nobody can ever see me eat sugar again, that means. So the, so I was like this perfect person around everybody else. And then in my own home, I was eating like boxes of, you know, um, of uh, like Frosted Flakes or Cinnamon Toast Crunch or whatever sugary thing I wanted or cookies and stuff like that. Um, and it was a mix of this like hyper focus of wanting to lose weight and like not caring how I did it. Like just, I'll go to any extreme to get there. Um, because my, my self-worth was tied to my weight. And I think for a lot of people, it is men and women, maybe more for women. Um, but you know, just our society has it out there, like how you look matters. And if you're overweight, then not only are you now like in an unhealthy category for your body, but it puts a lot of like, you know, you're trying to find love, you're trying to make friends and there's a lot of stuff going on in your head. You think you're going to get judged. You worry how people see you and stuff. And you care so much about other people's opinions. You stop caring about your own. Right. right? And, it, and um, it's, and it's true. I mean, you, you, you will get judged. I mean, yeah. if we're, if we're being honest, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you, you will, you will, but you'll also get judged if you're too skinny. So like, right. You gotta stop caring about everybody else's opinions and just care about living our life on our terms. And I say that, you know, without hurting other people, obviously, you know, whatever your terms are. But, um, but that's, that's what woke me up to it basically was that like, I was doing all those things. I couldn't stop. I was like, just overeating constantly. And so I learned about nutrition. I learned to listen to my body more. And then I learned about psychology to understand like, okay, so here I am eating really healthy. Why is it that every night though, I still want to go eat a whole box of cereal? Like, what is that about? Right. And then that, because that was the reason I wasn't seeing results. And when you don't see the results you want, 
you go to an extreme, right? You, you stop doing what might be working if you would just stick with it and you go to something that says it will work faster, right? And then like what I like to tell my clients all the time is like, you got your whole life ahead of you. Like we don't, you know, I wasn't born to just work and diet. That's not what I was born to do, but that's what I did yeah. for like six years. Yeah. So would you say that like, it, it almost sounds like, you know, if, if we go back to kind of, you know, college, right. And it was like, obviously a lot of people gain weight in college. Cause you're, you're just eating like trash and you're, you know, you drink all the time. Yeah, exactly. So pretty simple. Right. But, but like, it kind of sounds like once you decided like, you know, a bandaid, like I'm just going to go crazy and I'm going to become this like nutrition person. Yeah. It almost seemed like when you, when you said that to me, it almost seemed like once you started doing that, you were almost more like miserable at that point than you were prior to even saying, oh, wait, I should really start, you know, caring about what I eat. Yeah. It's really interesting you picked up on that because that's what happened. Um, and it was a mix, I think, of two things. And one was the pressure I put on myself to try to be this perfect person in my field. You know, it's, it's like, it's like if you were a doctor and you smoke cigarettes, but you know how bad that is, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's tons of doctors that smoke cigarettes, right? There's so many and that drink and that do all the things that they're probably told they're like really bad for your health and can cause cancer. So you would think, hey, they have all this training. They won't smoke. Like, they know it causes cancer, right? Yet they smoke. And it was kind of the same thing. Here I am with, again, I'm not a nutritionist, but I have training in nutrition. I have a certification. I have, um, you know, my health coaching and my personal training. So, you know, well-rounded within health and wellness. Um, and I found out like, not only am I trying to be this perfect person in my field, so that was leaving me feeling deprived. And then I was reacting to that deprivation when alone, when nobody could see me and I was overeating because it just felt like I'm not going to get this again for so long. And I learned about nutrition, which is a good thing, but I took it, um, personally, right? So like, I took it personally in the sense of like, I know this is bad for me. So if I eat it now, I'm a bad person. And that never felt good. So every time I ate something that was bad, I was like, what's wrong with me? I'm a failure. I'm never going to be able to do this. What's the point? I might as well give up and just keep eating all the bad food today and I'll start fresh tomorrow. And that was my mindset for years. And that's most people's mindset around food. And that's the reason nobody can keep their weight off. And the reason everybody feels deprived in a diet because the diet is depriving and then they go eat at some point and they overeat and then they gain the weight back. So that's exactly what was happening to me, though, is that I had all this knowledge that it's helpful. And I do teach my my clients and anybody that wants to know about like about nutrition and stuff like that. But I also focus on making sure they realize like no food's bad. Like just because it has 70 grams of sugar in it, it's it's a lot of sugar. And we need to be aware of that and what it does to the body. But you are not that for having that. Yeah. So it, it sounds like um, a good portion of what you tell your clients is basically just don't obsess over it so much. Just don't worry about it so much, like try and, you know, and add these skills and, and, you know, talk to yourself about, about the things that you need to do, but just chill. Right. I mean, it kind of seems like that's, and that's hard to do. You know what I mean? It seems like it'd be really easy because I'm kind of that same way. Like I'm, if I like discover a hobby or like an interest or something, I don't know how to do it unless I'm just full bore, like all about it. Yeah. And it's taken me years 
to like discipline myself where like, if I start feeling that feeling like, like, oh man, I'm really obsessed with this thing. Like I almost have to tell myself, dude, just stop and just do something else for an hour. Or like tonight, I know you want to do that thing, but just don't do it for tonight. And, uh, and it seems kind of similar to this where it's like people just obsess over and, and they, and they probably want the quickest result possible, which is, I guess, why they, they get into those box, you know, in, in a box diet kind of things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody wants instant gratification, right? Who doesn't want instant gratification, but you can't right. expect to diet for, you know, you can't expect to eat clean for seven days and that 50 pounds is just going to come off. You have to be realistic with it. Um, but you're right. And that's, and I think that's what most people do, you know, like there's two things going on there. One is again, that pressure we put on ourselves to, you know, um, get hyper-focused on something like what you were saying, whether something you really like, but basically it's like, you have this goal and now this goal feels really important to your well-being, right? And if I don't hit this goal, how will my life turn out? And, oh my goodness. What if it doesn't turn out great if I don't hit this goal? So now there's all this pressure to hit this goal. And then we also have how the brain works with habits, right? The brain just creates habits very quickly. So something like eating ice cream every night for the past year is now such an ingrained habit that you're, you're not even hungry. You'll be fine without the ice cream. You're not even deprived. You can still have ice cream, you know, like whenever you really want it. But the habit to have it every night is calling to you kind of, right? It's like in your brain, it's like, there's ice cream in the freezer. So, um, and that's, that's what's happening. And, and then they, they hear this thought in their head and they think, oh, if that doesn't go away, the only way that's going to go away is if I go eat the ice cream. But that's also not true. It will also just go away at some point or another, maybe not as quick as you want it to, but it will go away right? Like eventually you got to go to sleep and then you don't hear your thoughts anymore. So, yeah. Um, but I do like what you said, which is that, um, that you kind of trained yourself, like go do something else for an hour. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's what I tell my clients in a way. It's not that I, I don't tell them what to do. I'm not saying go for a walk, go meditate, you know, but when, when you're in that mindset and it feels like nothing but the food is going to help you feel better. The answer is simply to let your brain quiet down you're revved up, you're overthinking and you see you're in tunnel vision. You don't see that there's a hundred other things that can make you feel better. All you see is ice cream and you don't trust that anything else will make you feel better because ice cream has always been the comfort. So it's really hard to step out of that comfort zone. So what do you do? What do you do if it's, if it's you know, it's Thursday night and, and it's the middle of the pandemic and uh, yeah. I don't know, you're single and alone and, and, and it's cold out and, you know, and you're just like, what the hell am I going to do? And you know, there's that, there's that Briars in the freezer yeah. and yeah. I want it. It's chocolate chip cookie dough. But, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you do? You, you go for a run? Do you just, you, you know, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, you could do so many different things, right? Um, the easiest thing to do is replace a bad habit with a good habit, right? We'll say that again, you're not bad for eating ice cream, but it is a habit that's getting in the way of your goal. So something like sipping on tea, right? Or because a lot of times it's like, you just want that hand and mouth motion. If that's a habit, right? Um, so if that's what you're looking for. If you're like, it's kind of like idle hands, right? You're bored. You're, you just want to be doing something other than what you're doing. Yeah. That means it doesn't have to be food. So it could just be anything else. Um, there's two or three things going on there. If, you know, if, you, if you're like how I was, um, where your mindset jumps in, it says, this is your last chance. Or like the second you say no to yourself, you start to feel deprived then that's where we have to work on like how we see our own thoughts, right? And if we're seeing them as personal, like they're personally like 
serious. They're very serious personal thoughts, you know, and, and that's not always true. It's usually not true. Our thoughts are just, they're just thoughts. They just come up, they just pop up. You know, like if I'm driving down the street, I always say this one, if I'm driving down the street and I'm from New York and somebody cuts me off, I get road rage. I want to go like slam into the back of that guy's car. I'm like, oh, he deserves to get slammed in the back of his car, right? It happens. I mean, I like my adrenaline pumps and then I have to take a few deep breaths and I'm okay. I didn't go slam to the back of that guy's car, right? I'm okay. He's okay. The day went on, nothing happened. And that's what's happening at night is that your brain comes up with all these reasons, like you just said, to go eat ice cream. There's been a pandemic for a year. That sucks. I can't go see my friends. That sucks. It's freezing cold outside. That sucks. There's nothing to do. That sucks. I'm absolutely sick of watching TV. There's not even anything to watch because I've been here for a year watching TV every day. That sucks. Yes, that's all true. Ice cream doesn't solve any of that, right? So it's yeah. okay to go get ice cream if you want it, but we can't expect it to make anything better. And the reason most of my clients go get ice cream is because they think it's going to help them change how they feel. And it does because it comforts them and it helps their brain stop thinking about the pandemic and that there's nothing on the TV show and that they're single and that it's cold out and that it's still a pandemic, right? I'm going to go back to that one. So it comes down to like, what I teach people is intuitive eating, slowing down and noticing the story you tell yourself. Those are like the three foundations to what I teach, right? So intuitive eating is listening to your body's hunger and fullness. You're not hungry. You just don't need food. I don't, you know, that's just how it works. That doesn't mean you can't eat when you're not hungry, right? It doesn't mean you can't have ice cream some nights when you're not hungry. Just if it's an every night thing and your goal is weight loss, you're probably going to have trouble losing weight. So we have to make some type of compromise there. And it doesn't make you deprived. The ice cream is still allowed in your life, right? And so it's about understanding that. Slowing down because the reason most of us go eat, the moment the thought comes into our head to go eat, is because we didn't take a moment to slow down and just see it as a thought right? We took it as a fact. Okay. That came into my brain. I probably should go do that. Right. Um, and then, um, the story you tell yourself, like what I just said, right. Just, we're always telling ourselves a story. It's how we live our reality. Right. And so if I tell myself that I am a procrastinator or that the only thing that's going to make me feel better is ice cream, then I'm probably not going to feel better until I get ice cream because that's what I just told myself. And if I believe, and if I believe that I probably won't, I won't let myself feel better. That's what that is until I get the ice cream because I just told myself I'm not going to feel better. So my brain's going to keep doing its thing that makes me stressed out until I get the thing that I tell myself would stop stressing me out. Does that make sense? It's a weird way to say it. It, it, it does actually. And it's, it's pretty interesting that you're um, like mindfulness is a topic that tends to be on this podcast quite a bit. Um, and it's, it's, you know, become sort of a, uh, like an en vogue term, I guess, over the last couple of years. And it's not something that I've really heard anybody discuss in reference to eating. Um, and, and it sounds like that's kind of what you're discussing right now. So I never really, I never really thought of it that way. Um, you know, the, the idea of like your brain is just going crazy and you just need, you're bored and you just need something to do. And, and, you know, you, and you, you go to eat. Cause that's what, I mean, and I do that sometimes too. Like I'm just bored and I'm just going to eat something by the way, best boredom cure in terms of food i found pistachios because you have to take them out of the shell and everything right it's work it's work you know it's pistachios is the snack version of lobster (laughs) it it, it is because it's like it requires a lot of stuff and 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 then plus once you eat them it's like it's pistachio it's it's actually kind of good for you um but but anyway um (laughs) 
So it, it's just cool to hear you talk about that. And I, I guess I'm sort of putting words in your mouth, but I, I took from that that you're basically saying there's a mindfulness quality to eating healthy because a lot of the time um, it sounds like we're just eating because we just can't think of anything else to do to calm ourselves. Exactly. Um, two things. One is other than pistachios, it's funny. So like you have that and mine's edamame in the pod because. Oh, yeah. So it's like, instead of like, you know, you just have to eat it out of the pod. So it takes forever to eat, like not forever, um, but you know, it takes a while to get it out. So you got to work for it. I like that. So um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, um, I would say, honestly, um, it's, it's the problem. If I, you know, if I could be so bold to say that the problem with our dieting industry and society, well, there's multiple problems with it, but the main problem I think is that nobody really brings in mindset they are now like it's getting to be a bigger thing but but um every diet basically kind of says like this is the law this is this is what you have to do if you ever want to see results and if you don't do it it's not our fault that you didn't see results and so the 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 in my opinion before you try dieting no matter who you are even if you've never had an eating disorder start with mindset because otherwise you could create an eating disorder like I did, right? That's why I always teach it to everybody. I don't care. I have clients that don't have any, like they've never eaten emotionally or binge date really. And they still, I still teach them mindset first because I don't want that to happen to them. You know, right. that's the way you get ahead of it. And then if it has happened, then you talk about it and you talk about nutrition. So it's, it's a, it can be weird because I, I help people lose weight, but I'm so much more focused on them just having a happier, healthier relationship with food. And so I have to remind them on days, like they'll, they'll weigh in and some, and they're like, they gained or they, they didn't lose and they'll get really upset. I'm like, okay, in this moment, you want to go eat. I know you do. Cause I've been there. My, my history with the scale was that if the scale went up, like, you know, I, I dieted all week. I did the right thing. The scale went up. That's not fair. I'm going to go eat. Right. I did all this hard work. It didn't work. I'm going to go eat the food. I didn't get to have. Scale stayed the same, same exact response. Scale went down. Woo, let's go celebrate with some ice cream, right? So right. Um, it's that reaction. It's how we react to the things in our life. And the habit for many people is to react by going to get food because food's comforting. And there's kind of like what you were saying before, um, you know, there is some theory about like, not not your lineage, but kind of just like your childhood. You know, when, when you think, you know, um, you fell down as a kid and your mom came running over to see you if you were okay. And then she gave you ice cream, right? Or yep. you get, you get an award at school and they throw you a pizza party or, you know, everything in our life that's good is rewarded with food and everything in our life. That's not so good. Like a shot is like, we're manipulated into being okay with getting the shot by giving a lollipop. So we're at a very young age, habitually taught to use food emotionally. And we don't even realize it. And so I'm not saying to stop giving kids lollipops when they have to get a shot, but it's good to realize that that's a thing that's happening is that to get kids to do what we want them to do. We, we, we have, you know, there's some manipulation involved there, whether it's an allowance or candy. So it's like at a very young age that's happening. And I see that. And I think, I don't know, I'm not a parent, so I can't say like how to parent a child, but I think it's an important thing to think about and to recognize in yourself that like, if you have a favorite food, like chocolate chip cookies, is there a reason? And is it a nostalgic reason? Because maybe right. for that food, it's really just you looking for that feeling that you used to have and you don't have in that moment. 
Yeah. It's like the mommy, <laughs> you know, thing. Uh, yeah. It's funny. It's funny that you, you, you mentioned that too, because, so we have a two and a half year old and she is like, actually she's almost, she's almost three at this point in, in, in a few months. And she is just like full blown toddler. Like, like there's no, you know, stopping her sometimes. And, um, I mean, we, we do like offer her food as a result of doing a good thing. I mean, it's happening already. And, and I think, you know, it, to some degree, it's probably unavoidable because like, when you're just incapable of negotiating and it's just like, well, I just want, you know, goldfish or like, you know, goldfish is a big thing for her right now. She's actually not that bad of an eater, I guess, in comparison maybe to a lot of toddlers out there. Like she doesn't even like cookies, you know, Um, but she loves crackers, uh, which are still, you know, there's nothing really redeeming there. Um, (laughs) And just like carbohydrates with like salt. That's kind of her thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're good. Um, but that seems to be like, you know, I, I, I'm already seeing us do that, but I'm, I'm going to definitely take this more into consideration. Maybe like, maybe as the years progress and she's not, you know, it's almost like I, I, there's nothing else will work, you know, maybe eventually it'll be easier to, to, to wean her off of that or something. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, um, first of all, again, I'm not a parent, so it's not like I have any say in how to parent a child it's just something to consider it doesn't mean that you never do it again like let's be real it's going to happen it's a two or three-year-old that can't like you said it can't negotiate it can't it's just give me it or I'm going to cry for seven hours and you're not going to deal you don't want to deal with that so you're going to give her what she wants probably right yeah she's a terrorist there's nothing you can do (laughs) you know exactly and then when she gets older or old enough you can explain like intuitive eating to her and stuff like that, if you wanted to, and just, you could even talk about habits and how they work and how like, Hey, when you were a kid, we used to get you do stuff by giving you food. That's not how you should live the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I, you know, so. Um, you know, something else that I was thinking of too, uh, when, when you were uh, just talking was, um, you know, like on top of all these things that I think sort of fundamentally um, cause people to gravitate towards food as like this reward system, like you were saying, is that I, I think that we also don't really value food that highly because it's just so easy to get. It's like everything is just so easy. And I almost feel like because it's so easy to get anything you could ever want, like delivered to your door, um, or, you know, just in, in a grocery store, like thousands and thousands of things that somebody else, you know, killed or cultivated. Yeah. Um, it, it sort of drives like the value or at least our connection to that food down. And I almost wonder if, if we were able to value food like in a higher regard, if it were you know, I'm, I'm not saying like, Hey, let's just not make it easy. You know, I'm not saying that like I get, you know, it's society. We need to do it this way, but yeah, it does seem like, you know, maybe if there was, if there was just less accessibility to food, to food, I just don't think that people would eat it as willy nilly. You know what I mean? It, it just, it's this weird thing that we're in. No, I think, I think it's so cool that you just brought this up. I totally agree with you. Um, I talk about this in, in my program as well. And it's, uh, I talked about it around the holidays. I made a free video series called Practice Pause. And it talks about this where it's like, I go into the store and I'm like, all those foods you keep telling yourself are off limits and you can never have them again. It's right here. 
in the store. So you can have it again if you want to. It's actually not going anywhere, right? Like it's food is so abundant, at least in America. You know, I mean, I understand that there's areas where that's not true, but but at least in America, which is where, you know, obesity and eating disorders are prevalent, really, um, it's just so abundant. And so it's it's helpful if you can see food abundantly, but also have a connection to it, like you said, because um, a lot of the times, at least with the people I work with, you know, for binge eating purposes, people are usually reacting to a um, to their thinking in the moment, to their thinking of like, this is bad, or this is going to be going away soon. Like it's going away. I, this is my last chance. So the more you see food as abundant, always available, it can actually help you not go bingey. With that being said, like you just said, though, there's this aspect where, because it's so quick and easy and you can just be like, well, I have food in the fridge, but I don't feel like cooking. So DoorDash, right. And yeah. the computer. And then not only, you know, like the food in your fridge went bad. So you wasted all that money. You paid money for DoorDash, right? So all your money's out the window in a way. <laughs> and, and it's all for food and you didn't even eat half of it. But, um, but you know, it's just, it's just so convenient and there is no thinking, right? That's where I said, slow down and, and notice the story you tell yourself. And one thing I have my clients do that I find really fun for them and I've done it myself. And it's not, it's not about doing it at every meal, but at some meals really take a moment and think, about what it took to get this food on your plate. I mean, the farmer, the animal, the person that killed it, the butcher, the person that packaged it, the or the machine and the person that had to make that machine, the truck driver that drove it cross country because it's not in California, it's in Pennsylvania, right? It drove it cross country. Um, and then the store clerk who put it in the shelf and then the store clerk that helped you check out. Then the person that, yeah, I don't know, built your car that helped you get it from your grocery store to your house and then you and preparing it all. I mean, that's like, I didn't count. I know I was using my fingers. I didn't count. That's like 30 people, right? A lot of steps. Yeah. And, and if you really had to do that every single day of your life, you would not, you might overeat every time you ate because you don't want to have to do that all the time, (laughs) but you would eat a lot less probably. And you would see food as more like sacred, you know? Um, Right. Yeah. Right. You put that up. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy too, because when you think about all the steps and all the logistics to get from, you know, whatever the farm, um, you know, into your stomach, it, it's amazing that food is as cheap as it is, you know what I mean? And, and I, I remember like, um, a long time ago, like, I, I don't know, 15 years ago or something before, like organic food was as much of a staple as it is today. Um, it was kind of more like, I mean, like I remember when, when you'd come across somebody who was vegan or somebody who like only ate organic and it was almost like kind of weird. It was almost like, Oh, you're one of those people. Right. And I remember a, a, a friend of mine was like way, you know, he, he was eating organic food, like, you know, 90% or something of his diet was organic, like long before, um, every version of food, you know, had it had an organic version of it, right? Right. Like kind of how it is today. And I remember, uh, you know, this is when we were in like our like early 20s. And so, you know, for me, it was like, I just want to get the most food I can for the cheapest amount of money. This was like long before I really cared about like what I was eating. And, uh, and I and I also could because my metabolism was ridiculous. And, you know, um, and I, I remember kind of like having this debate with him about it. And he said something that always stuck with me that was like, dude, food should cost more money. 
it should cost more money. And I remember that stuck with me for a long time because he's, he was totally right. Like it's ludicrous to think that there's such thing as a, like a dollar menu, like cheeseburger. I mean, like that's so bananas that that can actually, you know, exist. And granted, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that they can get the price that low because it's, you know, it's kind of crap and it's, um, you know, it's like low grade meat and all that kind of stuff. But still, I mean, that that's just so crazy. And I'm, and I'm not saying that there aren't people that like, they, they have to have dollar menu stuff because, you know, like if you're choosing between a head of lettuce and like, you know, a, a cheeseburger and fries because like, you're hungry, I mean, and that's all you can afford. Like you're probably going to do that. Yeah. So I, I don't blame that person, but um, I mean, if, if we ignore uh, like economics for a moment, food should cost more money. It really, it really should. Oh yeah. It really, really should. And I like that you just said that um, it's, I always find it so interesting how expensive healthy food is and inexpensive junk food is right. It's like, it's like a, it's almost, I feel like it's on purpose. I don't know. Right. Like, like, why is it that I can get a hamburger for a dollar, but I could not get a vegetable for a dollar. Right. And technically speaking, when you really think about it, it's, they're probably the same amount. Do you know what I mean? So like, how is that cow go through the process of killing it and do all that stuff just for the burger part, not even the patty and all the other stuff going on it. Right. That's a lot of stuff versus just pulling, you know, just farming up some lettuce, like, you know, so, um, I definitely agree with you. It's, it's interesting. And, and I do think it should probably be priced more, not to make people spend more money, but to value it more. Like you said, it's kind of like, if you think about your phone, right? Like I don't actually know how much it costs to make a phone, but they probably don't cost $800 to make. No, definitely not. Or just like $800 to buy them because, well, because they can, because they know it's a necessity that everybody wants to have. So they're going to do that. And if you can't afford it, you can get one of the other ones. You know, they're not as great, but you can get a different phone. But it's also a value thing. You're not going to just take your phone and throw it across the room if you just spent $800 on it probably, right? Um, and in a way that's really helpful because it helps you not waste it, right? It's not going into a landfill. And it's kind of like that with food. If food was more expensive, we probably wouldn't waste as much of it as well, you know? And that's just a whole other topic with food waste and stuff. But um, but it, it's just interesting to see like how, just how easily our our health kind of got like turned around. And I do think it has something to do with economics and, and pricing because there's so many people out there, especially with COVID who aren't even making, you know, they're under the poverty level this year, probably. And that means they're going, you know, family of four, it's cheaper to go to McDonald's than it is to get everybody a salad. So everybody's getting McDonald's and that just causes yeah. health problems. And again, there's nothing wrong with, I'm not saying like McDonald's is bad. It's more about the health problems that come up of eating it consistently all the time. Right. Yeah. Like, there's people who show you that like they had a McDonald's hamburger in the back of their fridge and six months later, it's not even moldy. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that is weird. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, go ahead. But yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what people are supposed to do in that, in that situation. You know, I don't, I don't know. I would do the same thing. If I, if I, if I didn't have the money uh, to put food on the table, like on a, on a daily basis, that's probably what I would do. I mean, I, I, I'd love to sit here and be like, no, 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 you know, I'll go in and I'll get, if I get these tomatoes and that like, no, I wouldn't, I would just get the dollar menu and I would, and I would just be mired in that story until I figured something out. And then eventually maybe I'd, I'd eat better, but for that duration, 
I would be the, I like, they would know my name at the drive through window. You know, they would remember my license plate and I would be eating dollar menu cheeseburgers probably every single day. Me too. Like if that was the situation, you, you have to adapt your life to the situation you're in. And um, there are ways, there are people, you know, you can bulk, you can buy in bulk, you can get tons of beans and beans are so good for you. You know, so like they, people call it the superfood because it has like all three macronutrients in it. Um, so it's a really balanced food. And so, and it's cheap. Usually it's just that again, you have to put more work in it for it to be cheaper, right? You can go get a can of beans for $4 or you can get, you know, seven cans worth of beans for $4 because you got it in a bag and now you have to go home and soak it yourself overnight before you can even cook it. So there's a lot more time and process going into it, but it makes it way cheaper for you. And so there, there is that aspect of it. So there are ways to do it. I'm not saying, you know, I know how to do that 100%. I've never had to do that luckily, but it's also just looking at our society and, and just seeing kind of the flaws in that area, you know, like that it should be just as easy to get a very healthy meal for a dollar as it is to get a very unhealthy meal for a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too, because it's like, it it almost seems like a, like an okay boomer type of thing. The the idea of like, you're, you know, you finish everything on that plate, right? Like there's plenty of reasons why maybe that's not an okay thing to say these days anymore. Right. I mean, that leads, there's a, that's a slippery slope too. Oh yeah. But you know, I, I have a feeling that that idea of like, what our parents told us about like, you know, finish everything on your plate. I don't think it came from like just an ignorant, you know, um, authoritarian kind of thing. I think that it came from a place of like, well, yeah, because back in the day, you know, like, you know, when they were born in like the, the forties and the fifties and the sixties, you know, their parents had been through world war two, you know, and and, and, and like pre superpower America. So I think that that comes from a place of like, there's not that, like, we can't rely on this forever, like the way that we can now. And I think it's interesting because I, I, it doesn't seem like that's a thing anymore. It doesn't seem like that's a, you're to finish everything on your plate anymore. And, and maybe that's also because it just, it, it smells bad. You know, it feels bad to say that now, but I also think it's just because it's just a ludicrous. It, it doesn't fit in the time anymore. No, I totally agree. I think you're right. I think that it has a lot to do with that, the time and the era that was happening in. And, um, and also people just like, you know, uh, money, I feel like money was different back then too. Like right now, I mean, there's like somebody on YouTube making a million dollars because they make people laugh. My parents would never have thought that was ever going to be a thing. Let's be real. So like money, just, they worked really hard. Not that we don't, right. But they worked really hard for their money. And then they put food on the table. So they're like, you got to finish it. It's going to go bad. Don't waste this. Right. Um, but like you said, I mean, that's not helpful. It's, it's a lot of the clients I work with, that's what they were told as kids. So now they actually feel guilty every time they don't finish the food on their plate. And I just have to tell them guys, put it in a container, put it in the fridge, eat it when you get hungry again. That's it. You don't like telling people not to finish to telling people to finish everything on their plate is just telling them to not listen to their body, which is right. a helpful thing to do. Um, and then people learn to like, oh, I guess I'll listen to my brain over my body, which doesn't work when it comes to health and weight loss. Um, and uh, I was going to say something else. Now I forgot what it was. Sorry. Oh, it'll it'll come back. It'll it come back right right as soon as this ends. Uh, that's when it'll hit you. Um, you you had mentioned earlier that you you pretty much stopped uh, eating meat. Uh, was there a particular scenario for that? Or what was it? Was it you like when you were uh, going through veganism that you kind of realized that like, oh, these things make me feel bad. And 
And what does, what does your kind of typical day look like today? Like, are you done with all meat? Is there anything that you'll, you'll eat? Yeah. So, um, I, people always laugh at me when I tell them this. So the reason I went vegan was a book. Um, it was called the kind diet. Again, this is before I understood the mindset of weight, of like all the stuff that was causing me to binge and everything. But this was like right at the, 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 the point where I was like turning my life around, around food. Like my relationship with food was healing and I was just trying to find, um, I just wanted to eat healthier, even though I knew what that was. And I was trying to find out what that looks like for me and listen to my body more. So the book, what I liked about it is it broke it down into three sections of why to go vegan. And one section was like how your body works and functions. Another was animal humane rights for animals. And the other one was the environment. And so I was like, Oh, I'll just experiment. It had like a 30 day challenge. I was like, I'll do a 30 day challenge. I felt amazing. I mean, there was like a couple of days there where you detox. Cause I was eating like, you know, lots of sugar before that and everything. Not that you don't eat sugar as a vegan, but like, you know, when you go from eating unhealthy to healthy, you detox. That's just what happens. And then like all my stomach issues went away. Like everything that I had been dealing with with my stomach and headaches and even inflammation, I just felt really good. I was getting better sleep. My skin was clear. I wasn't breaking out. It was just felt really, really good. So I just kept doing it. Um, I'm also, I love animals. So it's, you know, I, I'm a vet tech actually. So um, like, that's what I went to college for as a vet tech and I remember my college roommate, one of my best friends was a uh, vegan at the time. And I was, and I was like cooking steak right in front of, her. I was like, I'm never going vegan. Right. Yeah. And then, and then something happened where I just started listening. Instead of just saying to myself, like, I can never be vegan because I'm Irish and I like meat and potatoes. I just started listening to my body and what it actually needed. And so um, I did it for about six months and then I started adding back in fish and eggs. So it's been a little over six years. I've had chicken once and it was on accident but I I don't care so much, but I just remember it happening. And then otherwise I just eat fish and eggs and um, I can just tell you what I eat. So like my breakfast is usually like two eggs with avocado and either Triscuits or toast. Cause I love salty carbs. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. There's the Triscuits. I love my salty carbs. So um, my way of enjoying them is that, you know, I used to just eat the box of Triscuits for breakfast. Oh, I'm lazy. I'm not even going to cook. I'll eat eat Triscuits. Now I just have a serving next to the food that's healthier. Um, So I usually do like sauteed spinach, eggs, avocado, and toast or something like that, or oatmeal. Um, lunch is usually uh, leftovers or a salad or a sandwich of some sort. So I do personally use some of the fake meats that are out there to make my life easier. Um, but like you said, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of thinking about it, right? Like I went vegan, not, you know, I, I don't need the fake meat, but it's a nice treat every now and then. It's a nice way to kind of get something that feels like meat again. It's a nice way to get protein in, but there's a lot of them out there that are really highly processed with like lots of sugars and dyes in them. So you got to pick and choose what you're using. Um, And also I think there's a fear of not getting enough protein, which if you're eating really healthy foods and like beans and edamame and tofu and stuff like that, you're getting enough protein. Um, But if you're not, you know, cause like Oreos are vegan. If you're just like eating Oreos and other stuff that is vegan, but not healthy, then you're not, then you are going to start to lose out in nutrients. Um, So yeah, so I would do like, one of the easiest things I like to do is um, meal prep a bunch of food at the same time. So I'll do like two or three cups of rice on the stove, like brown rice on the stove. While that's cooking, I, chop up and put tons of veggies in the oven. So I'll do like zucchini and onion and mushrooms and peppers and stuff like that. Chop them up, olive oil, salt, pepper, garlic, and then I bake them. And then while that's going, I can make myself like a thing of salmon in the same oven. I can do beans or tofu, my air fryer or something like that. And then I just kind of put it all together. So then I got rice, I got beans, I got tofu, I got veggies. I put a little soy sauce on it and I have a meal, right? And then I just keep eating that same meal 
most of the week. Um, I don't care. I, I like to repeat food. I, I could eat the same like seven meals and then occasionally eat out and I'll be fine. Um, and then just like lots of salad. I love salads. Um, I love kale. It's really, really good uh, to me, not to everybody. And like lots of like nuts and trail mixes. Um, pro- I like protein shakes as well. So not everybody's a fan of protein shakes. I think you just got to find the ones that taste good to you. And then again, just make sure that their ingredients are clean. Um, you know, as if anybody that listens is vegan, one of the best proteins out there are like the pea protein isolates and stuff like that. Those are the really good ones. I, I found that I like the most. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember um, that uh, like a, a big thing that you're an advocate for is with um, is with like meal prep and, and meal. Um, what, what's what's the word? Um, meal planning. What? planning yeah um so it, it sounds like is that like do you have like an every sunday kind of thing like that's when you you just go crazy for like two hours and you it's like here's my next seven meals do you kind of like have a, a a day that you do all that stuff yeah so i do and i don't you know again it's kind of like everything else i'm not like hyper focused and super strict on myself what i realize is that if I've been a lot more casual, which is kind of funny because I have a lot more free time because of COVID, but I'm also always home. So I don't need to meal prep everything because I'm my kitchen's right there, you know? True. Yeah. But if you know you're busy, then you need to meal prep. And it doesn't mean you have to meal prep every single meal for the entire week, but it's more like, okay, you are going to get hungry. You're going to get hungry like three times a day for the rest of your life. So we need to be prepared and, and expect that to happen. So when you get caught off guard and you're starving, that's kind of on you. You, you, you know, that's going to happen every single day forever. So we need to get better at preparing for it. So as long as I have food in my house that I can either cook quickly or, or is, you know, um, easy to heat up and leftovers, then I don't always, it just depends on the week. Like if I still have a lot of food from the week before, for whatever reason, then I might not meal prep. But yeah, like you said, I usually just throw on music an hour or two in the kitchen. And, and I, I, I've gotten efficient with it where like, as I cook, you know, there's, there's a, there's a point where like, there's nothing else to do. So then I turn around, I do my dishes. So then I have way less dishes by the end of it. Um, So that's usually what happens. Um, And then I either cook the same meals over and over again, or I change up like one thing. So that way I don't get bored. So, you know, I don't, I don't do the meal prep that frequently, not, not as much as I should, although I do, I do it sometimes, but whenever I do, it always feels really good. It feels really good to be like, oh yeah, I've got all these things lined up and I'm just, so it's like, um, it's like what you were saying before about, oh man, I'm so hungry. Like, what am I going to do? And then that seems to be when you make like the bad, you know, decisions, you know, yeah. it's like, that's when you call DoorDash because it's like, well, I could do this, but that's going to take 45 minutes and I don't want to, or, or whatever. And, and it seems like, yeah, those are always the points when you do the dumbest stuff is because you just don't have a thing. that's just like, oh, I just need to heat this up and that's it. Yeah. So making your life easier around food is it just helps a lot um, for sure. So, and you don't like, it's not that you should meal prep, right? It's just depending on who you are in your lifestyle. Again, like I've been working from home for a year. I don't meal prep nearly as much because it's not that hard to walk in my kitchen and cook for 20 minutes. If I was leaving my house nine to five job, like I was when I was a vet tech, um, you're bringing two or three meals with you to work because you're there for 12 hours. Right. You're going to need to eat in those 12 hours. You bring food with you. So if you're not prepared, then you're just going to get caught off guard starving and it's really hard to make a healthy food choice from a place of just extreme hunger you know yeah hangry Hangry is a real thing right yeah um so would would you say that um it's been easier for you to eat healthy during the pandemic 
because I, I think most people probably would have thought the opposite, but you make a really good point that it's like, if, if you are able to work from home, it's like, well, Hey, now I actually have time uh, like to, to do this. So has it been easier for you? Do you think? So for me, yes. For most people, I don't think so. <laughs> because the thing that happened for most people is that now their kitchen is five feet away at all times where right. work, that wasn't the case. So now anytime they want to take a momentary break from work and procrastinate, they're just walking in their kitchen and grabbing a few bites. Right. That's one thing. Like it's, it's like we were saying about eating at night with boredom. It, procrastination is a real reason that people eat too, you know, like just wanting to take a five minute break from work and just walk away from your computer. And you feel like I can't do that, but I could go eat. Eating's allowed. If I'm eating, then I'm doing something. If I'm doing something, then I'm not technically not working. Right. So like we create the story that, okay, it's okay to go get a snack. And then we're eating and we're not even hungry and we're just snacking. So I think that for some people, including myself, it's been helpful and I've eaten healthier because I mean, I think for the first like four months, I don't think I ate out. I didn't even DoorDash. Right. And then, and then when it was still happening, I was like, all right, now. (laughs) Right. There's only so much of this self-starter thing I can do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I was like, all right, we're DoorDashing some of the time. Um, But yeah, so I think for me, I've, I've gotten healthier with it. It's been better. And then uh, I think for some people, it's harder, definitely. And, and then with the pandemic as well, and the emotions that come up there, and then having all the food that you have in your kitchen at hand, 24 hours a day, because you're not leaving your house. That's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, it it, it really is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not to get, you know, too off the subject onto the pandemic, but I, I am becoming encouraged uh, lately, just with, um, what are we at in terms of number of vaccinations now in the U S is it, are we at like a hundred million or something have been distributed? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot, it, you know, we should, we should be feeling good about that. And I, and I think, you know, with the weather coming around and summer coming around, I, I think it's, I think a lot of people it's, it's about to be a lot better. I think so. I think so too. I think just the nice weather for everybody, especially the East coast, you know, um, it's going to help so much because when I lived in New York, I mean, seasonal depression is a real thing. You know, if, if you're oh, not yeah. in and you don't like the cold that much and it's just, it's getting, you know, when you wake up to go to work, it's dark. And then when you get home from work, it's dark, that's hard, you know? So, yeah. Thank yeah. A, a buddy of mine um, who lives in Brooklyn, uh, I was just talking to him a couple of days ago and, and it was like, you could just tell, I was like, Hey, how's it going, man? And, and um, you know, I was like, uh, you know, and it's like, cause it's just been cold. It's been really cold up until like today. And, uh, and he's like, man, it's just, everything's just frozen. I can't do anything. Um, we're still on, you know, pretty much lockdown and, um, but I don't know, you know, today was like 60 something degrees. So maybe he had a better day today. I hope so. It's amazing what some sunshine can really do, you know? Really, really it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before, before we, we, we started recording, I was saying how, it, how it was like almost a therapeutic dose of sunshine, at least for me today. No, I feel the same way. If, if I don't leave my house once a day, I, I, I notice it, you know, there, I think there was one or two days where like, I, I got really busy and then it was dark out or it was raining. So I didn't go out and I'm like, I need to get out of my house. Like I need fresh air. I need to feel the wind on my face. I need to feel sunshine in my hair. You know what I mean? Like I just needed to, to get out because it, it is therapeutic. It's, it does wonders to get out for a walk, to just clear your head and get away from technology even. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it seems like, so I, I made my first, maybe not my first, but like my first significant, like old man, uh, move the other day and I bought a bird feeder. Uh, <laughs> so awesome. I was like, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, well, I'm, I'm a photographer, right? And I've just bought this like ridiculous um, lens, which I didn't necessarily get it for bird photography, but like, that's one thing I can do with it. And so I, so I was like, oh, I need to, I need to practice on some birds. And then I, and then I was like, oh, you know what? I should buy a bird feeder. So I did some basic research and then sure enough on Amazon prime, uh, a nice bird feeder showed up. And it was like the first time where I was like, man, I'm, I'm like almost in my seventies. Now I have a bird feeder, but, uh, but it's great. It's like, I, I sit outside and I, and I look at the birds now, you know, have a little, have a beer. It's, yeah. it's awesome. It is. It is. We, I have, um, a hummingbird feeder because we have hummingbirds here and that's just, it's so much fun to just watch them come by and just like zoom past you and stuff like that. So I love yeah. it. Especially if they're out in their element doing their own thing. So it's cool to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. I should look into that as well. I wonder if I can get any hummingbirds around where be. I live. Um, Hey, so, so Megan, I want to, um, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, honestly, I mean, I, I had a great time talking to you. Um, is there anything that maybe you can plug? I mean, how, how, how can people find you? How can people learn more about what you're doing? Um, website. Uh, I, and I think you're on Vimeo as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, it, I made it really easy. It's my name, right? So it's just got to spell it correctly. Cause it's not spelled like all the other Megan's it's M E A G H A N. So it's the Megan method.com is my website. You can find me at the Megan method, um, on Instagram or Facebook and then on Vimeo as well. And then I also have, uh, I don't know if anybody knows what a mighty network is, but it's kind of like, a a community off Facebook, whereas where, which is where I kind of have like a community of women who we work through their emotional eating and their binge eating habits. And they go through the courses I've created and stuff like that too. Um, so yeah, so, um, my website has a contact page, so that's the easiest way or Instagram, probably just message me on there the Megan at the Megan method.com. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. Um, well, again, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I will be following you on, on Instagram and, and whatever, uh, social media things I can find you on. Awesome. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go eat some pistachios because Hey, it's like 10 o'clock here. So, you know, I'm getting bored. <laughs> Go get your snack that makes you work for it. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Take care. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in this week. We would love for you to be part of our next discussion. Join our live events happening every week at BeFunBeKind.com. See you soon.